This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. I am excited for this conversation. We've, uh, Ashley and I have been talking probably for the last, I don't know, a year and a half, two years or something, yeah, uh, sure. trying to get something scheduled, and we are finally here. So uh, it's going to be a fun, fun chat. Ashley is the CMO over at Mitra Tech, and we're going to talk about uh, some marketing leadership concepts that I think are going to be very applicable to really any marketing leader today. So Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy we finally got the chance to do this. Yeah, definitely. Oh, hold on. So there go. Uh, let's, let's kick this off. I think, I think everybody at this point knows we are either formally in a recession or heading into a recession. Uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen a bunch of layoffs here and there. Um, you know, budgets are tightening, all this kind of not fun mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, as a marketing leader, even if your company is not laying anybody off, you're still kind of in this weird position where you have to keep your team motivated through like, you know, everyone's probably thinking, oh my God, am I next? Even if your company hasn't done anything, right? So yeah. Yeah. that's, I think, the topic I want to really focus in on because there's a lot of elements to that and being a successful leader. Um, so with that, uh, anything to kick us off, Ashley, in terms of like, what are some mindsets that a leader needs to have when they are in this type of environment? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the remote work is obviously is, is the new thing. And um, we are a fully remote company. What was interesting is when I first came on board to Meet Your Tech, we had probably 10 different um, roles open on the team. So my first job was quite literally just recruit, 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 and, um, and get those roles filled. And we did. And we're upwards of, um, you know, 20 people. So we're not a small team. And, um, you know, one of the most important things that I think leaders can really focus on is understanding what your what's the culture that you want to build. I was lucky enough where I got to really kind of go out and source the, the people that I wanted, the mindset that I wanted. And um, I think I think when it comes to recruiting, that's a really important thing. Make sure you understand the type of culture you want to build. What's the culture of your team, of you as a leader, um, you know, and really, really kind of attract that type of talent. Um, you know, the other thing that I think is really important is making sure that leaders are very, very intentional in a remote environment. You know, we lose the water cooler talk. We lose the, hey, come step into this meeting and be a fly on the wall. Um, and so I think we have to be really intentional about our communication, about the way that we talk to talk to team members, the way we reach out. Um, you know, one of the things that just kind of tactically that my team does, we've got a, a big group team chat and I'm sure most everybody does. Right. Um, but we celebrate the little wins. And so when you think about motivating people and motivating each other, um, we sort of have this mantra on the team called celebrate everything, stop at nothing. And we truly do. We celebrate those little wins all day long. And, you know, it could be a record breaking number of registrants for a webinar. It could be a really cool asset that design created and we drop it in there and we all kind of, you know, share and celebrate those things together. But I think, I think we've, we've lost a little bit of that and you have to be really intentional to make sure that you're, you're bringing the team together and really rallying them almost, you know, almost on a daily basis. 
So what, uh, there's a couple of things I want to dive into a little mm-hmm. bit deeper on that. Um, one is going back to your comment around recruiting mm-hmm. um, and, you know, being specific about what type of, uh, I think you use, you use the word mindsets that you're looking for. for sure. um, how do you, how do you do that? Like what are you, as a leader, what are you defining either formally and informally and how are you interviewing for that or searching for that from a recruiting perspective? Yeah, I, I definitely um, prescribe to the, to the higher character trained skill kind of, kind of mindset. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of what I look for is really, um, you know, I'm really transparent and I'm really upfront about what the role is going to, going to entail. Um, you know, we move super fast, we change all the time. Um, and so, you know, typically when I'm kind of looking at someone's, at someone's background, you know, a lot of times it's size of company can factor in, you know, do they have experience with a big product portfolio or were they with a smaller company that maybe only had one product? How do I think they're going to adapt to, to the, to the fast pace and the change and things like that. Um, so there's some of that tactical stuff. And then, you know, I usually just like to really dig into, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an interviewer where I've got a set, set of questions and I, I jump in and I just immediately start kind of talking and get to know them and peel back, you know, what do they love about marketing? Um, why are they, what do they love about what they do every day? What gets them up every day? You know, and I kind of, as you, as you go through, you know, a 20, 30 minute conversation, I think you can uncover quite a bit about um, how someone's motivated. Um, what kind of environment do they like to work in? I do think remote's not for everybody. And I think people have got to, you have got to be super honest with yourself about the type of environment where you can really thrive. Um, you know, I've seen people just unravel in a remote environment. And um, if you can't, if you can't, if you don't have the mindset and sort of the, um, the ability to be in this type of environment, my gosh, be honest about it and go find, go find a a role that's in person, right. Where you, where you get that interaction. Um, so I think even some of that is starting to come into play a lot, you know, as we're talking to people, does, is it okay that we're never in an office together? Um, you know, is that, is that kind of environment something that you can kind of self-motivate yourself through? Yeah. Was, uh, was Mr. Tech always fully remote or was that uh, just after pandemic? No, it was after the pandemic. So they, we have a headquarters in Austin. Um, there, we have for sure had like remote as an option, but it, it wasn't the, you know, it kind of wasn't the go-to like everybody, you know, like it is now. So, but then we, then we just, after the pandemic, it was just sort of fully remote. It worked for our company. Um, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think it's for every company. Um, we were, we were one that I think it works really well and we've found lines of communication and channels and things like that to, to stay in touch. Um, so it works for us, but, but certainly not everybody. <laughs> I, I completely agree. And I mean, it, yeah. the, one of the things that really drives me nuts is a lot of these conversations about like, Oh, you know, remote's the only way to go and it's remote's better than an office or hybrid's the way to go, et cetera. It's, and it's like you said, the reality is it's not for every organization. It depends on the culture, the type of culture you want to build and the, the types of workflows you want to have. And it's not for every person. Because just like you, I mean, we're a much smaller team, but we've also had people that have come through that thought they wanted remote. They've never been yeah. remote per se, yeah. at least not fully. And we've been fully remote since before the pandemic. That's just how we started. We've been doing uh-huh. this for five, a little over five years now. And there are just some people that they just, they really need for 
a variety of reasons that right. in-person experience and there's nothing you can do about that like there's no point of changing like yeah. sure some people can adapt i think but a lot of people can't like yeah. for some people it's they're lonely like it, they might be single and they're living on their own and they just want to get out of the house and you totally. know be with other people right yeah. or they're living in a tiny little studio apartment and they it's not a good working environment or it's yeah. uh you know, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Right. Yeah. And I think so. there was this, there was this misconception that, um, for people that like maybe haven't worked remote and then they go to a remote, there's this, I think there's this perception that, Oh, I'm going to be home so I can go, you know, throw laundry in, or I can go, I'm telling you the meetings, your, your calendar in a remote environment is so tricky. I have days where I don't even get, like, I hardly get up. And so much less, you know, you think kind of, oh, in between breaks and stuff, I can go go get things done around the house. And it just, <laughs> it's just not really the case. I mean, this is something, I don't want to take us on too much of a tangent, but that's something uh, we can maybe dive into a bit. Because uh, number one, I, I totally agree, it, which is like, you get extra flexibility. So yes, if your kid's sick or sure. whatever, like something happens, like, yes, it's much, much, much easier, Right. Um, but yeah, if you think you're going to be doing all sorts of chores and multitasking while yeah. you're also on a call, no, no. Exactly. Yeah. Could you, you can, I, I will argue that you can, I think, tailor your calendar and your schedule to some of that extra flexibility. So like, and again, I think the higher up the ladder you get potentially that opens up more. So for example, mm -hmm. I will do, sometimes I'll like, we live in a, a neighborhood that backs up in a little mountain preserve out in phoenix so i'll do my office hours on a on a morning sometimes as i'm going up the little trail behind her house yeah, right? yeah. because i don't need to be in front of a full-on screen where i need to share right. anything yeah, i could just be right. listening and talking yeah right like yep. that kind of thing so i can work yep. those types of things in but it's still a meeting at the end of the day and you got to be able to focus yeah yeah exactly um anyway i don't want to take us on too much of a tangent there i do one thing i'll throw out there too I'm curious on your thoughts on this is I do think that it, companies that went from in office to fully remote, mm -hmm. they defaulted to meetings as a way of control in terms of like, okay, well, I, I now don't, I'm not able to now just walk up to this person's desk and say, Hey, what are you up to? Or how is this thing going or whatever? So now let's just schedule a bunch of recurring meetings. And then, it just completely, in my mind, kills productivity. Yeah. So um, I'm curious on what maybe you and your team have done to solve for that. Because especially on the marketing side, like, I think it's even worse than a lot of other teams, potentially. Yeah. There's, um, you know, even the way we're structured, and, I'm, you know, it's not, it's not unique to our team. Um, you know, with any marketing organization, you've got so much collaboration amongst the team, right? Content, product, field, all of them. Um, have to be collaborating, but to your point, you can't you can't bury people in meetings. They'll never get anything done. And so, um, we've really tried hard to to when we can really work asynchronously through in like shared docs and stuff like that. I think I think that could arguably be one of the really positives that came out of kind of a work environment is people realized, hey, we don't need to go into a meeting. We don't need to to get on the phone. Let's just jump in a document together. We can both kind of make edits. You can see. Kind of what someone I was doing it um, earlier with one of my content writers working on a press release and you know you can both kind of be in there you can see each other's changes you can drop in questions and comments and if you get pulled away to a meeting 
you know, it's okay. And you can come back to it and it sort of becomes this, these kind of living, breathing documents that you can collaborate in. So we found that, um, we found that really successful. Um, the other thing just to keep, to keep kind of ourselves organized is, you know, the, the whole concept around like a, like a Daisy. I know there's, there's probably some that have other names for it, but making sure that everybody on our team really has clarity around what their role is in, in a specific initiative or project. So, you know, if, if I'm the requester, I'm the driver, right. And I'm ultimately the, the project manager for that. Um, and then who's the, who are the contributors, who are the approvers, you know, and what is that kind of, um, you know, kind of chain of approval to get something done? What does that look like? And being really clear on that. Um, and that, that seems to have kind of, kind of helped reduce, I think a little bit of the too many meetings issue um, where I think people understand really clearly what their, what their, the expectation is for each one of these kind of projects or campaigns. Definitely. Yeah. We use racy on our side, similar, yeah. similar yeah, thing, same, responsible, yeah. accountable, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it definitely helps. Uh, I would say, and then having like those documented workflows mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff definitely helps us yeah. also. I mean, we're, we're still iterating on things and mm -hmm. just like everybody else is, but I, I, I totally agree on that. Um, all right. So one other thing you mentioned, uh, which I just jotted down is intentionality. Yeah. Um, as a mindset, talk about that a little bit more. Um, so one of the things, and I've, I've realized this, you know, it, it, it just flows like across the board, whether, whether it's marketing, whether it's any kind of leadership, I just think right now in this remote environment, everything has to be, every leader has to be really intentional. And, um, you know, one example, I, you know, I always talk to my team about, about being very transparent. I think that's another thing that, um, you have to be intentional about being transparent on what's going on. I see a lot of things and I'm exposed to a lot of things because, you know, I, I sit next to, you know, our CEO and I'm, I'm in on all these calls with sort of the big business strategy. And if I'm not, if I'm not careful and I'm not really thinking through, Hey, what, what messages do I need to cascade down to my team? Again, you get lost in this remote environment. You get lost behind a computer screen. And, um, and so I, I you know, it's, I, I take notes a ton um, and I'll drop notes all the time as I'm in conversations with, with other leaders, with other functional teams, and I'll make notes that I need to either put in the team chat that I, that I need to make sure I communicate. Um, you know, the board, board meetings are a great example too, right? Um, there's sort of this cloak of this perception of like a cloak of secrecy around board meetings. Um, I can remember when I was in an office, you know, years and years ago, I used to, I used to bug our executive team all the time when they would finish board meetings and be like, what did you guys talk about? What, you know, what does the board want to know? You know, and it was just this, and again, the, having the intentionality when I'm done with board meetings to bring the slides that I can share, you know, I'll, I'll bring them up on a, on a meeting with my team and I'll show them. Here's how I took all the great work that you guys have done, how I packaged it together. And I presented it to the board. This is the questions I got asked. This is what they care about. You know, um, to the extent that you can share that stuff, I think, I think it's super important. And so, um, you know, I just, whether it's, whether it's communication, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think you just have to, you have to focus so much more on making it a point to, to do those things and reach out to your team. Um, Cause otherwise you just, they, they get stuck in silos. They don't know what's going on. They lose their motivation. I mean, nobody's, nobody's going to work for, you know, a company or a, or a leader that they never see or hear from. Um, and so I think, I think that's another, it's just another way to, to continue to drive the motivation. What have you seen? I mean, I, I completely agree with the 
the concept of communicating things down from what comes out yeah. of board meetings. Cause yeah, I've, I've been in those environments too a while ago where it's, you know, it was completely like, it's like a different world. It's like, Oh, these people are over here and we're over here doing our, doing our totally. thing. And somehow yeah. this all works. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you found that your team is interested in? Like what kinds of things do they want to know from the board meetings? Um, so they're, they're usually interested in um, what is the board, you know, obviously what's the board's reaction to kind of our success? Are they, are they happy? Are they, you know, what, what does the board kind of think holistically of not just marketing, but like as a business, what does, what's the board's sentiment toward, toward the company and our performance? Um, and then usually it, it comes down to like where, like I'll present, you know, some, some level of strategic direction, whether it's for the quarter, for the year. Um, and as we get into kind of those strategy conversations, they, they're really keen to just always make sure they're doing the right thing. Like these teams want to know, are we, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we doing a great job? How can we constantly be getting better? Um, and so I think giving them a lot of that feedback of, Hey, we're, we're focusing our dollars in all the right areas. You know, again, when I, when I'm able to kind of share with them the questions that the board asked, I think that's, you know, they, they all kind of find that, that super interesting, you know, what, what does the board care about? Because again, it's not, it's not meant to be some secret thing, but I think sometimes we, we act like it is, or, you know, cause not everyone gets to necessarily participate. And I can remember before I was in a, in the boardrooms, um, you know, it was just this, it felt like this big mystery of like, but everyone wanted to know, what does the board think? Has, you know, is the board happy? Are we, so, um, so anyways, I think that kind of stuff, they just, and even just seeing how how I present stuff back to them, you know, how do I how do I take the you know 200 campaigns we ran? How do we package that up? How do we deliver the right you know kind of KPIs to the board and and only show them the things that they care about when you know tactically we executed on all this stuff? But how do you distill that down to to a story that the board really cares about? Yeah, I like, think like educating kind of up and coming. Uh, leaders, sure. if you will, on how to do that is so critical because it's sure. one of the, I think it's one of the hardest things to do because like you kind of are brought up showing a lot of detail and yeah. looking at all these numbers and then all of a sudden say, okay, boil this down to three numbers for me. <laughs> Wait, what? Exactly. Uh, how, how do you want me to do that? Yeah. Um, yep. <clears throat> so do you, do you get your team involved in putting together board presentations? Um, so I'll, I'll kind of request information from them for it, you know, kind of typical, like, Hey, we're going to, you know, whether it's highlighting, you know, certain events that we went to, what was the ROI on it, you know, kind of stuff like that. Um, for the most part, it, it sits kind of with my directors, you know, we'll kind of collaborate, but even, even bringing them in, um, historically the company hasn't really brought, um, even in my past, like when I was a director, I never got asked for much for board meetings. And so I think um, even bringing to your point that that next tier of leadership down, letting them see the deck, you know, again, we'll, we'll kind of work together in the deck. We'll collaborate. We'll drop in, um, you know, my head of ops will drop in all the numbers, all the KPIs. We'll iterate on stuff together. And um, even that's been awesome experience for them. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. We talked about transparency. We talked about intentionality. Um, one other thing uh, I want to ask you is, from a mindset perspective, mm -hmm. as a marketing team, obviously we talked about collaboration's important and uh, innovation's a critical component of 
what we need to do, right? There's always growth targets. Those growth targets require innovation. And um, how do you keep the team motivated to keep innovating, especially again in this kind of environment? It's one thing where money's being thrown around and everything is great and the economy is booming and all this kind of stuff. It's another thing where you're kind of consistently looking over your shoulder going, well, are we going to survive this? Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about that is, you know, of course, like everybody, we're, we're looking at, you know, tightening budgets, being really smart um, about where we, where we spend money, where can we pull back a little bit. And, um, you know, we, we really, I, I prescribe to this, you know, theory around active leadership. And all it really means is that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in the trenches alongside my team. Like they're never going to feel like I'm not right alongside them. Like I'm not, um, could, couldn't jump in and help them. You know, if, if tomorrow, you know, someone got hit by a bus, <laughs> you know, I can, you know, I'm right there. I know exactly what's going on. They keep me in the loop and it helps, it helps me eliminate roadblocks for them much, much faster. So we're able to move at a much faster pace, I think, because of, because of how much we collaborate and communicate. Um, and as far as keeping, keeping them motivated in, in sort of the, the budgetary times we're in, I think the fact that that I, that I do collaborate with them a lot. I keep lines of communication really open. Um, I'm constantly, you know, dropping them ideas and seeing stuff out in the market that, you know, maybe another company's done that's really cool. And I'll send them a screen grab of it and say, hey, maybe we should try this on our next campaign or, hey, oh, I really like this graphic design or this layout. Um, when, we, when we first kind of announced that we were tightening budgets a little bit, um, everyone's default is, okay, well, we're just gonna have to do more email, right? Because that's that's doesn't really cost us anything. And so um, we had to be, again, really intentional to tell the team like, no, no, we gotta, we gotta be really creative because more email is absolutely not the answer to, hey, we're tightening budgets, we can't do this event, let's, you know, we gotta reach customers somehow. So everyone kind of defaults to email. And so um, we're doing a lot more digital, you know, really looking at um, some smart retargeting. Um, how do we do, you know, take some of the, the dollars from maybe kind of events and push them into digital and get really creative with ads and um, and different things like that. So I think um, I just think being being an involved leader, um, you know, letting your team know that that you're right there with them. I send them, you know, sending them all these ideas and things like that. I think helps helps keep them, you know, motivated and kind of keep their head in the game. You know, it's actually um, an interesting topic maybe to dive into a little bit, uh-huh. um, which is, I mean, what you're describing pretty much is, okay, it's it's all about effective budget allocation, right? It's, it's not just, okay, well, let's just dump everything into email and cut everything. Uh, let's just do more email and cut everything else. Exactly. It's how do we effectively reallocate budget? Yeah. Um, how do you get your team in, well, I guess the first question, do you get your team involved in in those discussions, because I'm assuming you've got, you know, with a team of 20 some people, you probably mm-hmm. got people doing paid versus email versus events versus whatever, right? And everyone's got their own budget line item and yep. people get protective of those things. How do you manage that? Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of lean back a little bit on just the, the culture of the team. Um, we're, the leadership team is is equally as like involved. So So my directors are just you know, hyper involved in the business. There's a ton of trust that we have. We'll definitely collaborate with them as far as like, um, you know, with our field team and say, Hey, what events did we see, you know, both, both qualitatively and quantitatively, right? Like what events did we really see some success at? Cause sometimes, you know, events are especially a tricky topic, right. To, to prove ROI. Um, they stay real close to the sales team. So, okay. 
you know, help us, you know, if we've got these 10 events, how do we distill this down to, to five? And then, you know, a lot of times just for, um, for kind of speed and agility, we'll, at the leadership level, we'll kind of take that, make some decisions on the level of involvement that we'll have, and then kind of feed that back to the team. Um, but, you know, even this year when we, when we pivoted a little bit, took, took a few events away, pushed some of that money into maybe, you know, partnering with some really good organizations in our various, you know, kind of sectors. And, um, you know, the team is, the team is super agile. Again, it's just that mindset of we're going to move fast. We're going to pivot quickly. Um, we're all in this together. You know, the, we celebrate the wins, you know, that kind of, that kind of mentality really, um, just bre it breeds fast decision-making. And so we're able to kind of all stack hands, I think pretty quickly, there's a ton of trust on the team. Um, you know, but to your point, it comes back to, comes back to making sure that you're as a leader, you know, you're setting the tone for, for what the culture of the whole team looks like. Yes. I wonder, um, this is probably a good transition into talking about some skill sets. You mentioned speed and agility mm -hmm. several times and kind of the way I think about it, especially in this environment is speed equals revenue, right? Like if you can move faster, if you can close deals faster, if you can drive more inbound faster, that faster equals more revenue in a given period of time. So mm -hmm. talk about that skill set. Like how do you, how do you train and empower speed, if you will? It's a super good question. There's there's probably two parts to it. One, I think you're just gonna naturally, um, you either kind of naturally have work at that pace and kind of have that sense of urgency. It's kind of like what you would look for in a salesperson, right? Like, do they do they have the sense of urgency to go close deals, to drive forward sales cycles, right? All that kind of stuff. So, so there's that kind of um, just someone's gonna have it or they or they don't. Um, you know, thinking about just kind of looking for the skill set. You know, private equity um, is not private equity. Typically, runs at this pace. We run at a really fast pace. It's just the nature of the nature of the business. Um, I absolutely love it, but it's definitely something that when we have conversations and we're interviewing people, that we let them know. Hey, you know, one, did they come from a private equity backed you know portfolio company where they they understand that? Um, and if they didn't, you know, again, we try to be really clear and really transparent that that this is the nature of the way this business works. Um, so that's kind of the, the stuff that's harder, harder to probably coach. You probably, you want an element of that just naturally in somebody that you're going to bring on board. And we haven't been, we haven't been perfect. Um, you know, we've certainly, we've certainly, you know, had people on board that got in and were just like, oh, this is not for me. And that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's perfectly okay. Um, as far as kind of coaching it, you know, again, I think um, we, we've not, we've not been perfect. I think sometimes we, we tend to like everybody, you, you want to do everything for everybody and you want to be responsive to everybody. And so I think um, with the speed, you have to be a little bit careful that you don't go so far the other way where you start to actually be a little bit kind of sloppy with campaigns or things like that. Right. So there's a, there's sort of that, that middle ground, but things like um, giving them the right tools to be able to do their work, to collaborate together, um, you know, keeping, keeping meetings off calendars, just giving them an environment um, and the things that they need in order to move at the pace you're running, you know, you can't, you can't fill someone's calendar with 10 meetings a day and then expect them to still operate at, you know, a certain pace. So, um, so I think those kinds of things are, are really important. Yeah. And I, I, getting back to our, I think calendar and meetings, uh, discussion a few minutes ago, I think 
that to me is a critical skill for, I think, for leaders to have and for mm -hmm. to instill in your team as kind of time boxing and controlling your own calendar and things like yep. that. How do you, like, what do you do to help your team with those things? Because I know that, again, that in my mind, that's one of the biggest time sucks mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, detractors from an effectiveness perspective. Yeah. Um, I, and I'll, I'll do this every, every once in a while, every probably couple of weeks. Um, I try to ping the whole team in that, in our team chat and remind people, Hey, you know, we're getting to the end of a quarter or we're getting to the end of, end of a month. Go now today, find 10 minutes and go block off an hour for the next four weeks at lunchtime or in your morning or in your afternoon or wherever you work best. Um, it's what I do. And I try to, you know, you got to do it a few weeks ahead of time because you just, you won't, you know, calendars fill up so fast. And so, um, so I, I tell them like you, and I try to remind them a lot, like make sure that you're, that you're blocking off time on your calendar to just not be, be in meetings. Um, and then the other one is making sure that you reiterate and you have to lead by example, right? Like I have to make sure that, that I don't have 17 meetings a day. I do sometimes, but you know, I have to make sure that I'm, that I'm also leading by example and reminding people, um, you know, don't book, don't book a meeting when someone's blocked off, right? Like don't make someone have to have to pick which meeting they attend like that. The double booking thing, like I think sometimes can, um, can get out of control too. And it's people stop, people have no regard for, oh, their calendar says full, but I'll make them choose between their current meeting and mine. <laughs> I hate that. So I think, I think being respectful of, of people's time and the time they have blocked, um, is also, is also really key. Yeah, I definitely, I'm just laughing cause I'm thinking back to my big corporate days, which is yeah. a while ago now, but that's the, I think the bigger the organization, the more of that you get is because people just get so frustrated with scheduling. Like, okay, screw it, whatever. I'm just going to book over. And if they can yeah. show up, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely resonate with, um, the leading by example thing because, there was a time where I would say, well, yeah, just block your time. And I'd always be the one, like, my time be blocked and someone asked me a question, hey, can you pop in this? Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And I'd say, well, wait a second, if I'm doing that, how do they possibly feel comfortable saying no, especially if I'm the one that's potentially coming to them with a request? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've I've started doing it. It's hard. It, it is, is very hard. hard to tell your own team no. It's very hard. And and especially when, you know, I'm, I love being involved. I always tell them, like, reach out to me. Like, I am, I am useless to you if I don't know what's going on. Like if I'm, if I'm the leader that just, you know, isn't, isn't kind of actively engaged, doesn't know tactically what, what we're working on and, and what pieces we're moving around. Um, I'm, I'm useless as a leader. Like I can't. Um, and so, so I think that involvement, I also think just thinking about, you know, kind of, kind of calendars and the speed and productivity, you have to be able to, to empower your teams too, to make certain decisions, right? There's, there's a lot of decisions that they do not need my perspective on. And, um, and, you know, I think sometimes people will feel uncomfortable maybe making certain decisions like, Oh, I should, I should call Ashley or I should get her feedback. Sometimes it's something quick. They could teams me, but other times, um, you know, when someone will ask me to make a decision, the first thing I'll turn around and say is, well, what would you like, what would you do? You know, what, what's your take? Um, and I think the more they, the more that you kind of, like pose questions like that, they're able to realize, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't need to reach out to her. Or um, so I think that that kind of empowerment for decision making too um, is really key. And again, when when someone can't pop into your office, you know, and say, hey, what do you think about this quick thing? Give me a quick, you know. And so I think um, 
anyways, I think that kind of stuff is really helpful. Yeah, totally. I think you, know, you have to kind of marry the two a little bit. So for example, like what I do, I'll, I'll, uh, I started doing um, like official office hours three times a week. Oh, nice. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll do an hour of office hours and I just literally pop in a Google meet. It's open yep. at any point. Someone can try to pop in and do that kind of the, yeah. you know, knock on your door or whatever. Hey, can yeah. I ask you something quick type thing? And it's, I would say probably 80% of the time I just, I'm doing other stuff and nobody ever shows up. But every okay. once in a while, it's like, Hey, I'm getting ready for this QBR. Like even like this morning, there was mm -hmm. a QBR coming up and one of our uh, directors of management popped in and said, Hey, uh, do you have a few minutes to talk to a couple of slides here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. No problem. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's my time I've, I've set, I'm not planning yeah. or doing anything, but I also have a backup. Like I'm, I have something I'm going to do in the background, but if I get interrupted, no big deal. I'm planning on that. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. the flip side, uh, if somebody comes to me on a Tuesday and says, Hey, can you, can we chat about this? I'm like, can this wait till tomorrow? And you just pop into my office hours. Oh yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, we try to do, like, I try to do, um, skip level meetings. So, you know, whether it's, and I think that's been really helpful too, right? So my director's direct reports, they don't directly report to me, but I, you know, through the course of any given month, um, sometimes less than that, I try to do, you know, kind of every two weeks, I'll have a one-on-one -on -one catch up with, with the entire team. And again, I think like, I love the office hour idea. That's a great one too. Um, as a leader like that, again, that like intentionality of, setting that time on someone's calendar where they get just me, my undivided attention. Um, let's talk about what you're going through. Um, what projects are you working on? Sometimes we'll get on those calls and we, we talk about nothing but just personal, like a quick personal catch up. Right. Um, that, that just goes back to that intentionality. Like that's not, it's not an easy thing to do and it takes up a lot of your calendar. And I don't think probably enough leaders, um, focus and realize how important that is to the team. Like it really yeah. matters. Um, and I think in a remote environment, it's harder to forget about it, right? Because it's like yeah. in an office environment, you're going to walk down that hallway, you're going to see like, oh, I haven't caught up with so-and-so in a while. Yeah. You know, yeah, sure. Their name is in that Slack thing down in direct chats, but it's just not the same. So you, you do not, have yeah. to be, you're totally right. Like you have to be much more intentional about those mm -hmm. things. And yeah. uh, we definitely try to do that as well. Like uh, once a month or at least once a quarter, trying yeah. to catch up with each individual that doesn't directly report to us. And again, we have a much smaller team too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not easy. like none of this stuff is easy. Right. I think that's why all the, all the kind of best practice sharing and as people, as we're all kind of fumbling through it, doing this kind of thing. Right. And really sharing like, Hey, these are the things that we do that, that seem to work pretty well um, is really important. Yeah. Well, one other thing I'll throw out there, I'm curious on your thoughts are is, um, structuring meetings, both from an attendance perspective and a agenda perspective just makes such a difference. Cause I think a lot, again, I feel like in a remote environment, especially, and with marketing being such a collaborative function mm -hmm. that people just default to, okay, well this, I need to make a decision and I need to have these 15 people involved and let's just have a meeting to talk about X and that's the agenda. It's like, well, wait a second why are these other 12 people here and what is the purpose and what, like, and what is the desired outcome? What do you want them to want yeah. when this meeting is done? What do you want to have achieved? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, um, we're, you know, I'll say, I'll say, depending on kind of my audience, I'm probably better at that than, you know, I don't do it all the time, but you know, if I'm, if I have a call with, with my CEO or, or, you know, um, 
you know, anyone else kind of, you know, that I know just has, has tight calendar or whatever. Or I just, you know, you kind of read the personality, right? I've got a couple of my team members too, who've been really good and they'll come to our one-on-ones with, um, with like a, like a living document that they'll just track kind of everything they have going on and we'll, we'll chat through it. We'll bring it up every single meeting. And it's just, it's a nice, um, it's a nice way to kind of keep us on track and organized. Um, but yeah, I think that stuff, that's, that's huge. It's huge to make sure that you, you're not wasting people's time. But then the other, the flip side of that, and this is where, you know, again, some of the other channels and kind of things that you do become really important are um, you really lose the, the banter, right? And I get it. Not everyone wants to get on a call and like a lot of people are just like, I just want to tell me, tell me why I'm here. Let's get off. But again, that water, that kind of water cooler talk or those quick catch-ups or, Hey, let's go grab coffee. um, You know, you, you get less of that. I think sometimes when you've got just real strict agendas and, you know, you get in, you accomplish what you need to accomplish and everyone hangs up and you're just sort of like, starts to feel really mechanical. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. I think that's, on our end, that's something I think we're definitely struggling with a little bit is on the one hand, it's okay. We need to be more efficient and productive right, with, our, yeah. with our time, especially as a, you know, as a, a consultancy. So yeah, billable hours and all that fun stuff. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, on the flip side, it's okay. How can we make team meetings and these other like one-on-ones and things more, as you were saying, intentional of, okay, yeah. let's talk about, you as a whole person, not just the work that you're working on. Yeah, we did. Um, I don't know if, if I'm sure there's tons of different names for them, but we've done these things called life maps or life journeys, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I'll try to schedule a happy hour, you know, maybe once a quarter, we all jump on the phone. Um, and we, everyone gets five minutes, you know, to kind of tell their life story, tell the milestones of, you know, what got them to where they are, where are they from? Some people talk about family, pets, work, you know, just, just the whole gamut. And, um, and that's been, that's been really fun. It kind of gives you that peek into someone's life outside of this, outside of the, the kind of work screen. So, you know, if you've got a newer team or, um, you know, a team that you feel like maybe, maybe you guys don't know each other kind of personally very well, that, that kind of thing has been, is really fun. It's really fun. We actually had a girl super creative she came and her, the way that she told us her kind of life map or her life journey and the things she, she likes is she took her search history in her phone for the last like three months and put them, put it up and presented it to us. And like, it was hilarious. She had stuff where, That's funny. you know, it's, there was a Google search for like a blackbird and she's like, oh, this is cause I was walking down by my house and I wondered what kind of bird that was. So I Googled it. I mean, it was just, it was, you know, so that kind of stuff, you know, you kind of, you kind of get people coming out of their shell a little bit and it's, it's a real creative way to, to get to know people. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that example. The, yeah. we do sort of something similar. We have, uh, anytime anybody starts, we have them, uh, put together like, a uh, a user manual, quote unquote, that's what we call them. So like, ever, so oh. how do I like to work and stuff like that? And there's some background things too, like favorite quotes and, oh, I like and that. then they have to present it to the, to the team, uh, at the end of their first week. So then everybody kind of gets to know a little bit about them, but I, I like what you're describing because it's a little bit more, it's a little more than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't do it, you know, and then, and then we'll try to, we'll try to do stuff, you know, leveraging mentee mentees, like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great tool as far as, um, you know, just being able to kind of crowdsource different, different things. You know, we did one, one time where 
I had a mentee for every single person on the team and we took, I don't know, probably took maybe, maybe an hour. Um, you know, we all grabbed a drink, came back and I said, you know, what does what so, so-and-so done this quarter that's, you know, impacted you or the, or the team and, and the kudos that people throw up right on, on that mentee. And you start to read it. And as you know, we did it, we did it for me too. Like as a leader, what, what have I done that's helped you guys? And it's really, um, it does give you a really nice kind of shot in the arm, right. To hear your team, hear what your team would say about you and the impact that you have on the team and the business and them. Um, so that was another kind of cool one that we did that, um, that I think everybody really enjoyed. Yeah. I, <laughs> that one is, it's so important. And like, I'm the type of person that I've like, I remember working for others and I always hated that. It's like, I don't, I don't need the pats on the back. Let's just do our jobs. Yeah. You know, and I, I had to totally train that out of myself to, cause not every, most people are not like me. Like and if, even yeah. I, every once in a while, I'm like, okay, well, can I get a little pat in the back? Like once a year, yeah, maybe, like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, other people just really, really thrive on that. And it's, yeah. you, just, you have to give it to them. For sure. I think it has to do too with, um, with kind of your career progression, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you're just kind of coming in, you know, you've only been working for, you know, let's call it three to, you know, three to five years or something like that. Like you're in those early stages where you're learning a ton. You, that reinforcement of like, Hey, yeah. you're doing all the right things. Here's where you're really strong. Keep it up. Like, you know, here's, here's the things that you really bring to the table. I think, um, you know, yeah, it, it's, and again, that's a great motivator, right? Like you hear, you hear directly from your team, just how, impactful you've been. And sometimes it's stuff that they didn't even think about. They're like, Oh yeah, I forgot I did that project. Right. And, mm -hmm. and someone else is kind of like, Oh my gosh, that was, that was the highlight of my quarter was, you know, working with you on that thing. So, um, yeah, I think as you get, as you kind of progress in your career, it does, it does kind of become less and less. And I think you just, you, you start focusing more on, on your team and their motivation less, I think maybe on, on kind of your own, like, I don't worry about my own motivation. Cause I already know I have it, <laughs> but like making yep. sure that I, that I really help inspire, you know, my whole team every day. Yep, for sure. Although I'm sure getting a nice pat on the back from the CEO doesn't hurt, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't hear from him for a while, you know, I'll ping him like, hey, remember me out here? Yep. Um, so I think good time to transition to tool sets in terms of, okay, as an example, being intentional about giving kudos and feedback. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about tools. And I'll, I usually make this broad in terms of, yes, it could be actual technology that you use and how you execute against that, but then also it could be a process or a, doc, a document or wh whatever it is. Like it doesn't have to be a formal tech thing necessarily. So uh, pretty open-ended, like let's start with the whole kudos and motivation thing. How, what do you need to execute against that? Um. I mean, it, I think you have to, you have to plan it. Like all this, all this intentionality we keep talking about, like you gotta, you gotta, as a leader, right. You gotta be looking three months ahead. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing in the next quarter? What am I doing two quarters from now? And, you know, if, if you're going to do kind of a happy hour or something like that, right. Where you're going to kind of do this kudos sharing, um, you know, put it on the calendar now for March or April, you know, and, and just, you have, you have to be thinking about this stuff all the time. Um, and really kind of, kind of just prepping and, and planning for it. Um, you know, and then use various channels. Like we, you know, again, we, we use the team chat. We've, we've leveraged Menti before. Um, trying to think what else, what else we've really used. Can you talk about, uh, the Menti thing? I mean, I, 
mm-hmm. I, I think I and most people understand what it is, but yeah. the way people structure it is sometimes different. So maybe talk about that a little bit more. What, what does your mentee program, if you will, look like? Yeah. So, I mean, it's super, super simple. I'll, um, I'll set up like a, like a slide for each person. And then we literally just kind of tick through each one. And I give everybody, you know, maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds to, to do a response, you know, let people give more than one response and, you know, kind of it, not a wordle, but it'll throw up the responses just in, um, you know, anonymously. And, um, and then we'll do a readout of it and I'll kind of, I'll kind of lead the whole thing and say, okay, you know, reread the question, read a lot of like the answers and kudos. And then I usually ask people like, Hey, does anyone want to, does anyone want to expand on any of theirs? And a lot of times people jump in with, with stories. And I haven't heard stories about my team that I did not know, like things when we've been at events and, you know, kind of after hours stuff that I'm like, Oh, you guys, but, um, but it and is, maybe you didn't want to know. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. But again, they, even that comfort level, right. Of, of them feeling like, you know, she's, you know, we can be transparent with our, with our CMO. Like I'm, I'm super open with them on, on, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm an, I'm an open book. Like I will, I will literally tell you as much as I can, you know, aside from something being really confidential, like I'm going to be super open and honest about, um, about things. Yeah. So that's kind of how we, that's how we've structured Mentee before. It just, it's really simple. Mm-hmm. So um, what about any other tools, again, around any of the other things we've talked about? Like what what do you believe are the critical tools? And again, I use the word tools fairly loosely here that a leader needs. Um, so I kind of, I you know, when I was kind of thinking about this topic, there were, um, you know, I wrote down transparency, culture, and intentionality as sort of the three things that I think a leader really has to keep in mind. Um, one of the other kind of, you know, again, using tools loosely, um, you know, I mentioned kind of this, this rally cry that we have, this mantra we have as a team. So celebrate everything, stop at nothing. And it speaks to the speed that we, that we kind of all run at and operate at, but it also speaks to those, you know, those wins and like, let's, we're, you know, we're all in this together. We're going to celebrate all these little wins. We're going to celebrate all the little milestones. And I think if you don't have a, it's worked really well for us. I think if you, I think if you don't have some type of, I don't know, call it a rally cry, call it a theme, you know, you could, you could do it each year, but if you don't, if you don't have that for your team, you know, I'd encourage, I'd encourage leaders to kind of think about that. You know, of course the business is going to have its big strategy. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to all be marching toward the same thing, but, but is there something that your team really stands for? Like the culture of our team is that, is that rally cry, that mantra, like we live, eat, breathe it. You know, when we bring new hires on, they fit that, that mold. Like we're energetic, we're passionate. We, I want, you know, I, I hire people that show up a certain way to meetings and, you know, um, so I think, I think that's a really good, it served us really well to kind of have that rallying point for everybody. And how do you, how do you make that action, that rallying cry, rallying cry, my goodness, can't talk. Uh, (laughs) How do you make the rallying cry, um, uh, actionable and, um, like bring it, bring it to life and empower people to kind of live it, if you will. Yeah. You know, again, I think that, I think so much of it is kind of a a top down thing. Um, you know, if I'm on, and this goes, but you know, I keep saying this intentionality. Um, if I'm on calls with, with an executive and they mention one of my team members, or I get a team chat from someone like, Hey, this, this webinar was awesome. Turnout was awesome. The follow-up was great. I immediately go into that team chat and drop in that feedback. And I think that kind of stuff, 
you know, that that's really that all those, you know, celebrating those little wins. We started like a hashtag with it. So, uh, you know, sometimes when people drop, you know, hey, I had a record, you know, a number of attendees for this thing or whatever, um, they'll put hashtag celebrate everything, stop at nothing. Um, I got everybody notebooks for Christmas that have that have the same kind of slogan. So, um, so I think it just, you know, you just kind of, depending on what it is, like we've really, you know, little hashtags or little mentions of it, or, you know, kind of reminding each other of it, um, has just been how we've, we've kept it alive. Nice. Yeah. I, I like those little physical reminders and digital reminders of that. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, I'd say we're fairly similar. Like we have a, uh, we have a kudos channel and a shout outs channel. We have a raving fans channel, like from like feedback from clients Yeah, I uh, love or, that. or like audiences and all that kind of fun stuff. And then, um, we did add in an ethos into our culture. I mean, it was always there, but it was never uh, formalized. And, and you know, it's people first, uh, so that we we have that. Um, so yeah, totally. Everything you're saying totally resonates. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other uh, any other tools or anything else that you uh, want to call out again? Specifically, anything that stands out as maybe unique to a marketing leader. Um, you know, probably, I mean, and I don't know if there's anything that we haven't, we haven't kind of already touched on. I just, um, you know, I keep, I keep going back to this, you know, commu communication, transparency, make sure you're sharing stuff with your teams. Um, you know, it's just the remote environment is, is tricky. And, and so I think the more that, the more that you can be intentional about your communication, share kudos, share that stuff, right? Like, I, I mean, the, the impact that it has, you know, if I'm talking to, if I'm on a call with my CRO and he's like, Hey, so-and-so did, you know, it's just on a call with so-and-so on your team, you know, they did awesome. I could easily just kind of take that and be like, Oh, great. Like, I'm so, I'm so pleased. Like, that's awesome. But for me to, you know, make the, make the move and say, Hey, on, was just on a call with our CRO. Like, you, you know, he, he gave you major shout outs and kudos and the impact that that has on that team member is massive and it takes, it takes five seconds. Right. And so I think, I think we just have to remember these things and remember that people are sitting at home and they don't, they're not pervy to a lot of the stuff that, that we are, um, you know, at the sea level. And so I think you gotta, you gotta make sure you share that stuff and cascade those messages down and, and all those wins and things like that. Yeah, in their more remote environment, even less so, right? Because yeah. in the office, you might accidentally overhear something as right. you know they're walking in or out of a board meeting or something right. like that. But you don't you don't have that at all. Yeah, when you're in a remote environment. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Well, Ashley, this has been awesome. I think you shared a lot of really great uh, insights and tips. Uh, so appreciate that. Yeah. Let's jump into our lightning round real quick. Okay. Um, all right. Question number one, uh, what is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? So, I mean, this is really tactical, but, um, we, we have a subset sort of, um, net new logos is probably the, you know, the subset of pipeline that I would say is, um, is what I really would point to. What is something new that you're looking forward to testing out next year? Or this year? Um, 
a big ramp in, in digital. So, you know, we talked about kind of taking some of those event dollars and, and pushing them to digital, um, doing things like retargeting, um, you know, and, and just being much more um, honed in on, on that. I think I'm really excited to see what, what we can do with it. What is a marketing best practice that you actually hate and you think needs to go by the wayside? <laughs> a, mar- a marketing best practice. Quote unquote best practice. Quote unquote best practice. I can, um, can I change the answer or can I change the question just slightly? Like a market, like a thing, like a trend right now that I want to disappear? Sure. Okay. This whole debate again around like lead gen, demand gen, lead creating demand, like the the i get like i get all sides right i get all of it but like the fact that it has become such a such a debate like out on linkedin and stuff like that just has me like i just crack up every time i see it it's just it seems it's such a strange thing to be so passionately debating (laughs) i agree uh very much so (laughs) we can we can save that for a separate conversation okay i love it um but yes. Uh, what is your least favorite business word or phrase? I'm going to have to think about that one for a second. I'm sure I have a few. <laughs> um, my least favorite. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I'll come back to you with something really good. Sounds good. <laughs> um, what is your favorite business or marketing book? Oh, um, I just got, um, I'm going to forget the name, five, um, your next five steps. Um, one of our sales leaders actually just recommended it to me. Um, I'd have to get you who the author is, um, but it's like a business strategy book that I just started that I'm really, really enjoying. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, I know we're at time. I know you had a hard stop. So I want to be, uh, comments out of that. So thank you again. This was fun. Hope you had a good time. I did. And uh, everybody else, we will see you all next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.